In this episode, we get dangerous. Bangkok dangerous. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. We're coming at you from the center of the internet. <laughs> yeah. If I, I understand Galileo's teachings correctly. <laughs> the Flophouse is you right do, in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Well, he that was actually uh, Ptolemy originally suggested that. Yeah. The cosmology of the internet. Yeah. Wait, they had the internet back then, Dan? They just called it the net. Back in the olden <laughs> days? Yeah. Wait, isn't that a Sandra Bullock movie? You're thinking of uh, Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. So, what do we watch tonight, dude? We watched a little film called Bangkok Dangerous. A movie that's uh, so dangerous it doesn't need any other words in that title to mm-hmm. make it like a like a sentence that's actually a complete thought. Well, there isn't even... I was waiting or, for the point in the movie where he goes, This isn't just dangerous. This is Bangkok dangerous. Yeah. Like, that's a level of danger. Uh, they didn't hit that point, though, right? Uh, if the, if it exists, they did not hit it, no. It was great. It was exciting. It starred Nicolas Cage, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, did and it? Well, his, I don't, and that haircut of his. I don't know. He was the lead character, but I don't know if you could say it starred Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage was in front of the camera for most of the film. There was a void at the center of this film. <laughs> was, and its name is Nick Cage. Stuart, you did such a great job summing up Step Up to the Streets last time. But I'm going to toss it over to you. I know that Elliot's done a lot of summing up, but I want to yeah. hear you sum up well, Bangkok yeah. Dangerous. So, first of all, Elliot, check this out. Uh, check this summary out. Okay? Whoa, you're stepping up to me. Burn. Okay. Uh, so, the movie begins with Nicolas Cage. He's this bounty hunter or, like, uh, hitman or something with a heart of gold in mm-hmm. Prague, and he kills some dude uh, when his, his alarm rings, and uh, <laughs> then he kills, like, his messenger guy, and then he goes to... Uh, Thailand to Bangkok specifically, uh, and, and he lives by certain rules. Yeah, he's got some rules. Like obviously, every he's a hitman hit man yeah. in a film. He he's has got, rules. He's got yeah. cool hair. He's got rules like a normal hitman. <laughs> and then he gets his. Little, he finds this new messenger guy named Kong, and uh, you know he's like never get attached to your messenger or anybody at all. Of course, he breaks that rule. Um, yeah, almost instantly. Yeah, and he starts teaching Kong the way of the force of being a hitman, and then yeah. he, he falls he's, in love with like Ghost Dog, the way of the samurai, except for it's the way of Nick Cage as a hitman. Yeah, and it's really his like, and the best part about it was when he like, the, you know this this guy, uh, his messenger gets beaten up, so he shows up to talk to Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage, uh, you know, and he's like, "Hey, teach me" or something, and then Nicolas Cage like attacks him with a knife, and you're like, "Whoa, is he gonna kill him?" But of course he doesn't, and he like teaches him how to like avoid getting stabbed with a knife, and then he's like, "Uh, that was your first lesson." <laughs> it was really awesome. Um, so he goes on and he kills some dudes. Well, you mentioned the love interest. He has a love interest, absolutely. He falls in love with this deaf chick who works at a pharmacy. At a pharmacy, yeah. He goes there because he gets his arm scratched really bad from a passing uh, like necklace vendor, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and. Uh, who so, he had a weird moment with. Yeah, it was before weird. Before killing someone, where he just was staring in the face of this child's necklace vendor. I like to think of her as a personification of destiny. Oh, okay. Mm. 
I would have said Lost Innocence. No, Destiny, Destiny works too. Yeah. And so, because she's what? deaf, uh, though, the, the love interest, she is a weakness for contract killers. Yeah. Well, who don't speak the same language as he her. He claims yeah. to be in banking. That's true. Banking dangerous. And he, he does a pretty good job of, uh, that, of following that cover story by <laughs> not doing anything banking related. And dressing like a slob all the time. <laughs> but how many jobs does he have to do in Bangkok? He has Stewart? to do four exactly. The first three... <laughs> Are relatively simple, except for a little bit of uh, high-speed boat chasing. Anybody? Uh-huh. Yeah. And what? What? How does he f- solve that problem? By chopping off a dude's hand with a boat propeller, <laughs> and then shooting him in the head. Yeah. Um, okay. So fast forward. Final person he has to kill is the prime minister of Thailand. Suckers. Uh oh. And this is a country where you can be thrown in jail just for insulting the king of Thailand. Yeah, let alone murder really the king of Thailand. There's a king, and he's more of a figurehead figure. But there was like there's the story. I think it was a Danish guy who recently was thrown in jail for he was drunk and he defaced a poster of the king of Thailand, and they threw him in jail. And the Danish embassy said, "Nothing we can do. Like that's the law." I don't okay. know. This country. Stop! <laughs> stop talking about a better story than the one. I'm I don't know about. if you listeners realize this, but Elliot is a genius. <laughs> I mean, who among us knew that Thailand had a king? He just celebrated honestly. his 60th year on the throne not too long. Like a I year thought or two Thailand ago. was uh, just a place that made really delicious food. They do mm-hmm. that too, my friend. Okay. And had prostitutes. Yes, they also have that. Mm-hmm. And had a silly named uh, city capital. Yeah. yeah. So um, okay, so Bangkok An erotically dangerous. named city. <laughs> Okay, so if you like if you like getting your cock slammed by something, <laughs> like in like, like, a like in a drawer or something, yes. yeah, anyway, you're saying sorry. Sir. Okay, guys, chill out. I know it's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so he has to kill the prime minister of Bangkok and uh, kill Surprise. He's unable to do it. Uh, he makes he uh, he accidentally kills a bunch of dudes right in front of his deaf girlfriend, who gets like mad and runs away. And then he uh, is unable to kill the president of Thailand or whatever. And um, then, like the Mr. Mon- Thailand, well, he let's chooses call him. not to do it. Well, I, I guess he's he's he is stalling, and then they see that he's up in the uh, with a sniper rifle. He has a yeah, like it's hard. He's that. being really obvious for uh, somebody who's a professional killer. He's not doing a very good job of hiding himself. No, which I think could be described uh, could describe his entire performance in this movie. Which <laughs> he's a very clearly. Foreign guy with a really awesome haircut walking around the whole time. Uh, there's no one else in Thailand who looks anything close to like him. They only, but, they only, and they only have like three other American characters who are three tourists who are incidental to an earlier scene. and easily grifted. Very but, easily, grifted. which uh, you can't say the same thing about his character. No, he was ungriftable. But what's the denouement? Uh, Stewart, how does this uh, tangled web resolve itself? Um, the mobsters who he's working for capture his buddy Kong, who is his messenger, who he's grown attached to, and oh, Kong's like role. and his girlfriend, and then uh, not not Nicholas Cage's girlfriend. I don't know what happened. Well, to her. she ju- they just stopped seeing each other yeah. after she sees him. She kill disappeared. Guys. Yeah, which. I don't believe. I mean, he's really handsome. So she uh, <laughs> and they bonded over it meeting that elephant. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And elephants are awesome. Uh, so he goes and he kills a bunch of mobsters in really cool ways. There's some scenes that evoke moments from the movie Hard Target with Jean Claude Van Damme, or the movie Loaded Weapon One, which I think Elliot brought up. Well, just just in that they were shooting things and then streams of stuff were coming out of the cans they had shot. Oh, like in the supermarket shootout scene in the hit parody film loaded weapon one absolutely mm-hmm. so uh moving forward <laughs> he then manages to capture the head mobster he thinks back on his life thinks about all the bad things this is nicholas cage we're talking about 
Uh, he thinks back on his life, thinks about all the bad things he did. Um, there's cops all around. He puts his head next to the mobster's head, puts the gun to his temple, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to finish watching this movie because it's great. Um, so, <laughs> so so what do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Okay. And now that we've given the listeners an overview, we can dissect a little uh, Bangkok Dangerous. And, uh, Bangkok my, DOA. My major problem with this movie is... Um, I feel like if there's a Hitman movie, in general, if there's a Hitman movie, you... you of which there are a lot. Can I talk later, by the way, about... I may have talked about this before on the podcast. I don't remember how I am baffled that there are so many Hitman movies that get made. Yes, you may. Okay. Yeah, thank there, you for asking permission. There was even a movie called Hitman. movie called Hitman, but there's like... And there's Hitman comedies, Hitman romances, Hitman adventure films. Like, I'm waiting for a Hitman jungle films. Well, Hitman is a very... Animated films. There's Hitman It's a mysteries. very, very common uh, profession. You will like Gol Gol 13? Particularly in this economy, <laughs> Hitman the, is one of the few the thing, growth like, industries. That, I will probably never meet a Hitman in my life unless I... Hopefully. If I, hopefully. Hopefully, Elliot. Uh... I certainly Most people so. will never meet one. They'll never hire one. They'll never know anyone who was hired by one or or who hired one or hired or there is one in my family history which I won't get I won't get into, but uh that was someone who was hired mm. one. But uh like I'll never meet one and most people won't either. And yet there are tons of movies about it. And like Secret Agents, I can understand. I'll never meet one, but like that's a a hero fantasy right. character. Yeah, it's a, Someone it's a, who doesn't just murder people. It's a, yeah, it's a character that you would like fantasize about being like, yeah. oh man, I'm going to get beautiful women, I'm going to do awesome secret missions. And I'll, I'll save the world while screwing dames. You but, know? but who really fantasizes about being paid to shoot people Aside possibly from, like, from a distance? Like really unhappy 13 you know, or 14 year old guys. You know? yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I can talk about Well, this about is that what later. I was going to say was, you know, Hitman... This is what I'm saying. You would agree that you need to uh, do a little work to make the hitman a sympathetic character. Yes. And most films do this in one of two ways. Mm -hmm. They either make the person that the hitman has to hit someone that is um, personal to them, that they have some sort of stake in, and then Mm -hmm. they have to make a choice about what what they're going to do about this hit, or... It becomes like one of like a Hitchcock sort of film where like the, you you create sympathy through the fact that this person is on the run. You show like a professional that, that is then uh, being tracked down, and the fact that they have had the tables turned on them is enough to sort of give a little sympathy. Or or you there's a third, or you do the gross point blank way of making him an emotionally damaged character. Mm-hmm. Like he does this, but he's not. He doesn't enjoy it, and he would be a likable enough guy if he didn't have. Emotional issues, but, you know, and so forth. Whereas this is a movie about a guy who is just a hitman. It's a movie about four guys he's hired to kill who we don't know anything about. And he just kills them one after the other. And there's no real, like, personal stake he has in any of it. He isn't being chased down by anyone until the very end. I don't understand why we're supposed to care about Nicolas Cage's... um, you know what happens to him in this movie at all? It's because he looks sad all the time. I but think. that's the thing. Like in the other movies, the people are sad and then become hitmen. Whereas in this, it's like, oh, I've made a bad choice when I became a hitman. I didn't realize my life was going to be so lonely, and I wasn't be able to settle down and have a family. Oh, I should have learned. I should have listened to my high school guidance counselor when he told me not to become a hitman. Yeah, exactly. 
or like a movie where one twin brother is a hitman and the other one is like a straight arrow cop, and then they have to get together to solve uh, a, like a galaxy spanning mystery. Yeah, or one <laughs> a space crime. <laughs> yeah. or one is a hitman. That's and the, the other, name of the movie, by the way. The, space crime. <laughs> one is a hitman, and the other is like an accountant. Sure. And the hitman gets killed, but the accountant gets mistaken for the hitman, and suddenly mm-hmm. he's in this. Oh, he's over in over his head in these goofy scenarios. Yes. But it turns out the, the hitman brother who was killed actually isn't killed. Yeah, he, he was mainly so he get closer to his brother, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he pretends to be a ghost giving his brother advice. Yeah, I but. think you brought up an interesting thing, the idea of, like, the person who is, like, forced to become a hitman. And, uh, it, like, that remind me of that the Stuart Gordon movie King of, uh, King of the Ants, where mm-hmm. the main character is this guy who's got this really shitty job, and he ends up taking a job, like, taking a job to kill somebody. And he ends up, like, totally regretting it. And, like, after killing the guy in the most, like, horrible way... Uh, he has to kill Ron Livingston, by the way, from Office Space. Um, oh, it's like, why would you want to kill Ron Livingston? And it's like really super like – and he like totally regrets ever doing it and then, of course, gets tortured for it by uh, George Went from mm-hmm. Cheers. Um, and that was an example of a hitman character where you're like, I can kind of understand this and feel bad for him even though like he should have done that clearly. Yeah. Honestly, the only thing I remember about that movie is that Kari Wurr is in it. Yeah. And um, of all the B-movie starlets, I find her the most attractive. She's got a great ass. Oh, so Elliot? So Bangkok Dangerous. Anyway. This issue? But yeah, there's no moments like where you genuinely her. feel him, like, you don't feel Nicolas Cage's character, like, feeling bad at any point or, like, caring. He just, the only emotion we see from him is that he seems to like this deaf girl. Yeah. He for might no, feel for bad. No, no apparent reason, and she likes him for no apparent reason. Uh, Nicholas Cage might feel bad, but we are left to infer that from him turning a picture of an elephant upside down. And then burning it. Yeah. yeah, he which does. Was, which was identical to the way he burns the pictures of the people he has to kill. That's he called good a, directing. He has a real affinity for Elliot. Uh, for Elliot, yeah. <laughs> Weird. That's so strange. Uh, awkward. Ew. <laughs> and hey, elephants. Whoa. Hey now. Elliot's and elephants. Freudian slip. I don't know what it means, but you look like an elephant. <laughs> Thank you. I, maybe the most majestic animal there is. Okay, sure. and adorable as a, as a baby, and adorable, amazingly adorable. They're they're furry. I think if this movie had been an hour and a half of elephant footage, it would have been a far better movie. Yep. And they just called it Elephant. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's a movie called Elephant already about the Columbine shooting. They yeah. called it Elephants. Maybe if they had just shown that clip from the movie, uh, the Protector Operation where, Dumbo Drop. Yeah, or the Protector, <laughs> where the dude larger than life, where the bad guy beats up on the baby elephant. If they'd just shown the clip of him throwing the <laughs> elephant over and over for an hour and a half, I'd probably like it more than this movie. Uh, it's too bad. Not to-, to make judgment calls. Too bad Tony Jaw couldn't protect that elephant. <laughs> the reason <laughs> that a really shitty job, despite the fact that the movie's called The Protector. <laughs> the reason that Nicolas Cage um, really thinks about elephants a lot is because while he's courting the uh, deaf girl, mm-hmm. they have a tender moment that involves a baby elephant. That uh, is just wandering around the streets. Yeah. I've never been to Thailand. I know they have elephants there. I don't yeah. know if they just wander freely through urban areas. It feels a real connection Probably. to elephants. Maybe it's like a bear. Like where I grew up, sometimes bears would come down out of the out of the woods looking for food, and they'd have to, like, shoo them away. Maybe it was like that with elephants. Where do you, did New, you live New in the world of Berenstain Bears? He's talking yes, about New Jersey. They were Berenstain Bears wearing clothing <laughs> and walking on their hind legs. And, and hopping on pop. <laughs> yep, and making a, a clubhouse where there were no girls allowed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hop on, those hop on pop bears are kind of like mutant bears after after a radioactive bomb or something. Yeah, the thing is, like, the early Berenstain Bears are like these, like, you know, these charming sort of Dr. Seuss knockoffs. And then the late Berenstain Bears are always like, 
Berenstein Bears learn why you should get a flu shot. Why you shouldn't steal pumpkins from people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Berenstein's Garrett Bears just got too preachy. Yeah, that's, what the fuck? That's, it happens to a lot of bears, yeah. Understandably. So, Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> Elliot, you talked a little bit about the editing of this movie and how it was really uh, good, this bad. Is, this is a movie that, from a technical standpoint, not just from a... I mean, you were talking about from a creative character motivation standpoint, it's very bad. But, mm-hmm. from a technical standpoint, it's also very bad. <laughs> Uh, the editing is awful. The shooting is awful. Subpar. The framing, I would say, like, not even subpar. Subpar is like, that's a, that's a choice I wouldn't have made. I think it fil- it hurts the film. But here it's like, I don't, it's like worse than the scene in The Rock, the Michael Bay film The Rock, where the good guys get corralled into a room in The Rock and the bad guys are waiting above them and shoot at them. Mm-hmm. And you just see close ups of guns going off and close ups of guys going, ah! And falling down, and then when the smoke it's clears, really putting you in the heart of the action. In, when the smoke clears, you're like, "Oh, that's what happened." Is they got shot? <laughs> but that is like a picture of coherence next to this movie. <laughs> the climactic shootout in a warehouse is almost entirely pitch black, and you have no idea what the layout of the inside of this building is. You don't know how far away Nicolas Cage is from these people. The boat chase scene, you're like, "Where? How far apart are these boats? Where are the boats yeah. going?" You have guys shooting, like the scene with where he's a sniper. And he gets caught, and the police start shooting up at him. It takes you a second. Your brain knows, like, oh, I saw him. Then I saw guns going off. Then I saw a figure in a room, kind of like the one I think he's in, running away from gunshots. He must be getting shot at. But like, they don't. They just don't give you the shots where it's like you don't have to figure it out for yourself. It's a, yeah. it's just a poorly made movie. Well, there's one scene in the final shootout where I guess there's a grenade involved. <laughs> Suddenly, there's an explosion, and you're kind of wondering. Who brought the grenade to this fight? Why did the grenade go off and Nicolas Cage just gets blown back, well, he, whereas well that, one guy gets blown in half? Here's what I inferred from that. Nicolas Cage has the bad guy pinned up against a door, and the bad guy somethings, and the Nicolas Cage somethings, and then there's somehow a grenade blowing up in the bad guy's belly. So the bad guy <laughs> yes. gets blown up, but Nicolas Cage is okay. And okay. that is one of the best scenes in the movie, even though it makes it no sense. It up. It's, yeah. like, it's like the movie Imposter, where there's a bomb in the guy's rib cage. I don't remember that movie. Gary Sinise, everyone. That sounds great. The the thing is... is <laughs> the, the classic Stuart dismissal of what was just said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, there's... <laughs> that's terrific. That, well, Good like, stuff. I've, I've seen better movies where really? they... <laughs> than yes, this one? Surely not. Yes, I've seen a few better movies that have played off the, like, the arrival of a strange weapon... And you you go along with it like in like in yeah. They Live where Roddy Piper all of a sudden happens to have a gun on him and you're like uh well I, I know Rowdy enough, Roddy Piper I know enough about that character to, to imagine that he Rowdy ha- he secretes Piper. weapons all around his body yeah it's believable that he might have a weapon we didn't know about before but in this movie you're just like wait there was a grenade who brought that. Why does that guy have that in his pocket? And by the way, when Rowdy Roderick Piper returned to the House of Usher, that was really that was a tragedy. <laughs> Rowdy Roderick Usher. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm trying to think of a way to do a line from the story, of the fall of the House of Roderick Usher, of Rowdy Roderick, Roddy Usher. I came here. To, I came here to chew gum and bury my sister alive, <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. There you go. But uh, that's for the Poe fanatics in the audience. Yeah, and the They Live fanatics in the audience. Now this is a remake of. Uh, of a movie called Bangkok Dangerous, mm-hmm. written and directed by the same guys who wrote and directed this. The, the Pang Brothers. The Pang Brothers. I have not seen it. In that movie, the hitman is deaf, apparently, or mute. I can't remember which. I think he might be a deaf mute. And in this one, I think Nicolas, that's symbolic. Cage, Nicolas Cage merely doesn't talk for most of the movie. Yeah. I would think being a deaf mute would make being a hitman really challenging. But well, that's why he did it. He, like, he wants the challenge. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I that it was one of these things where, like, the idea was in the original, okay, being deaf gives him like, this preternatural focus. The strange thing is that Nicolas Cage was like, I want to remake this film, but I want to remove anything that's interesting about the main character. Yes. And he was a producer on this film, yeah. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Why wouldn't he want to keep the gimmick of the film intact? Otherwise, it's just a movie about a guy who's a hitman who has four jobs to do, does the first three successfully, <laughs> fails the third, and he, then dies. Well, yeah, he, oh, he does dude, spoiler part. alert, guys. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Guess you, guess you don't have to watch Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> Consider your, you should mail $5 to Dan right now. <laughs> as I'll set up a PayPal account. This is a movie that like we've had trouble watching movies in the past before. I'm thinking of specifically 10,000 BC, where mm-hmm. they just don't keep your attention. And this was another one; it just failed. Honestly, to I think keep this might attention. tie in terms of how bored I was. Possibly, at least 10,000 BC had crazy costumes. Like yeah. they were dressed as cavemen. Whatever. I'll but, tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you that there are two things that I enjoyed in this movie. One was the guy's arm being uh, cut off, cut off by a boat propeller, and it was still holding the gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty very, good. Very Star Wars-y. And then the other was <laughs> there was a uh, Bangkok nightclub they kept returning to that always had a bunch of Thai girls in different outfits, uh, scanty outfits, dancing like line dances on the stage. And it was always fun whenever we turned to that nightclub to see what what uh, slutty outfit they'd be wearing this time. Yeah, once they were dressed we'll up as nurses. doctors or yeah. nurses. I, I, yeah. I want to see the movie based on those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, those girls. guys. Well, it's the same thing. It's Bangkok. They could be. Yeah, they're yeah. trannies. Yeah, it was a very boring movie for a, for an action movie. It was. There's not a lot of action. There's very little action. It's mm-hmm. boring. The it action that's in, in there is not very good. They managed to make the city of Bangkok seem incredibly dull. For a movie with Nicolas Cage, there's not a lot of hammy acting. He, yeah, he is a statue. He is yeah. a he is a wood, you know, he is a cigar store Indian throughout the entire. As you movie. said, his hair does most of the acting for him. You know the, these guys, the Pang Brothers. I mean, they even have like a name for themselves. Like they're, they're yeah, the known, Pang like, Brothers. Like so, like theoretically, <laughs> the, guys who like God, but guy like people who are movie buffs have probably heard of the Pang Brothers. Yeah, probably. you would think that they would be able to make a movie that isn't a total turd and isn't completely <laughs> inept in every regard. By the way, this is the second movie uh, that we've watched of the Flop Flophouse that's done by a brothers team. Along with the brothers Strauss, who did Alien vs. Predator 2. I missed that one. Which, yeah. Alien vs. Predator 2, AVP Requiem, better movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. What made it a Requiem? What was it a Requiem <laughs> it for? A, well, it was a funeral mass yeah. for... It was, um, a, it was a real dirge. I'm looking forward to AVP Aria. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Aria Giovanni's in it? Yes, Aria Giovanni is in it. That's Porn a... star Aria Giovanni. <laughs> Alien vs. Nice. Predator 3, Fugue. <laughs> I think there is a porn movie named Aria, but she's not in it. That's disappointing. Might be an Asia Carrera film. Sure. Anywho, she's a member of Mensa. It really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. that. Isn't the point? Like her house. and Gina Davis. I wow! I bet they probably hang out. So um, they do archery together. <laughs> yep, uh, <laughs> archery. Um, there's archery in the movie Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know what you got how, how you got to that subject, but I saw a poster for the uh, remake oh, for the in the one. subway when I was walking over here. It, yeah. it seems like if all the movies to not just do a sequel to. At least even call it like Friday the Thirteenth: New Beginnings or something like that. Well, like part do. a million, it doesn't care. Like people will go see it. Yeah. Like you don't need to. Like well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing: I was totally um, uninterested in the Friday the Thirteenth remake until uh, Rich Duncan, former Flophouse um, guest co-host Rich Duncan, for a couple of episodes, good guy. yeah, uh, said high five. Two words to me from the trailer, 
and that was topless water skiing. I don't know. That's a pretty good. I'd, w- I'd watch an hour and a half of that. But it's not going to be an hour and a half of topless water skiing. It's going to be an hour and a half of. There's going to be tw- twenty yeah. seconds of topless water skiing. Wait, rest- I guess if you want an hour and a half of topless water skiing, you should pay for the topless water. Even skiing the DVD. real world, can- even the real Cancun doesn't have two hours of to- did- an hour and a half of topless water skiing. In did it. Rich just lie to me then? Yes. No. Rich called you up and guaranteed <laughs> an hour and a half of topless water skiing. Man, it's like I directed Friday the Thirteenth the remake. No, <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Are they going to do a remake of uh, like Nightmare Before Elm Street or Night Before Elm Street? <laughs> the Nightmare. Jack Before Skellington Elm has to figure out how to stop this child molester from invading people's Before dreams. Before Heather Langenkamp moves yeah, I think to Elm Street, <laughs> she will have a nightmare it's involving a, Jack Skellington. I think, I think, I think they actually are. The They're force. working on it, and like Freddy and um, and Robert Englund's not even he's in not it. Coming back. I mean, that's there. It's there are a few times when Timothy Olyphant will be uh, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> but there's it's there's so few like actors who are associated with a character that I'm disappointed it, that they wouldn't be playing it and Robert Englund is one of them. Yeah, that's like Kruger. that's like making a Evil Dead movie without Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Robert Englund, I just watched uh, Zombie Strippers. Mm-hmm. And in general, I'm not a fan of movies that are sort of trying for camp. However, I will say... Usually about- featuring Ron Jeremy. Um, <laughs> now, those are just I porno guess. films. <laughs> what have I been watching? <laughs> I will say this for zombies. This movie strippers. isn't funny at all. There's just lots of sex scenes in it. <laughs> I will say with this. A, with a fat guy. <laughs> is that a zombie strippers delivers on its dual promise of zombies and strippers. So, if you're if just on that level, it is not. Uh, it does not shy away from it, its exploitation. Are uh, we at the recommendation the exact, part of this podcast? the exact opposite podcast? of Naked Lunch is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> As they pointed out on The Simpsons. Yeah. Two things wrong with that title. So, uh, Elliot, you were talking about Hitman movies. Yes. What's the story there? The story there is, I don't know exactly, like, it's one of those things where there are a lot of mob movies. I can understand that. Married to the Mob. Married to the Mob, Godfather, Mobsters, Scarface, what have you. A lot of Mm, organized... My Blue Heaven. A lot of organized crime movies. Goodfellas, you know, Mickey Blue Eyes, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) Johnny Dangerously. Johnny Dangerously, Donnie Brasco, and so forth. There are a lot of these movies. And... (laughs) Mr. Mob. (laughs) Mr. Mob. Mob-in-law. Mafia. Mobbing it up. <laughs> Mobbing around. <laughs> Mobbing around. Meet the Mobbersons. Wait, is and that like... Honey I, tur- Honey, I Shrunk the Mob. <laughs> there are a lot of these mob <laughs> movies. But I can understand that, because there's... Like, the, the Mafia, even though you may never meet somebody in organized crime, at least has a place, if a criminal place, in society. And there's a lot of things... <coughs> it's based around a corporate structure and a family structure. There's a lot of room for stories there. And there's a lot of things about it that are very <coughs> relatable, even if you've never been in organized crime. It's all part of the American dream, you know? Well, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the dark side of the American dream, I sure. like to say. But uh, when really the dark side of the American dream you're, is you're, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, Alex the first to make that parallel, by the way. <laughs> but uh, First time. But, like... There, there is a like you can feel a psychological connection with those characters in a way mm-hmm. that to have so many movies about hitmen ju- and I, and you know a good hitman story I'm fine with I don't care when I was a kid Boba Fett was my favorite Star Wars character whatever sure. dude but uh when when but to ha- <laughs> I don't know if he was out I don't think he had like a hit out on Han Solo I mean he did he was more well, of a bounty hunter he was a bounty hunter but he would kill yeah I guess you have to assume he killed plenty I mean it is the Star Wars universe so probably everyone shot at him first but he did kill them right. yeah. 
Then he got eaten by a giant anus in the ground. Yeah, but that in the books he's escaped from that, so it's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Timothy Zahn. That was that was the one moment in Return of the Jedi where it felt like David Cronenberg had started directing the film. <laughs> Wait, there's a giant anus that eats people in the middle of the desert? <laughs> Just in the ground somewhere? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. I, think it, I think it burps after eating both. Yes, that it too, does. Right? Which implies that it has a stomach and a side like a throat, everything. And it, and it has a sense of comic timing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing about that Sarlacc. It, also, it really knows when to... When to that's also, how it also burps laugh. really fast, considering that it slowly digests over... over thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. Everything in, the, in Return of the Jedi burps after eating. Jabba the Head eats a frog, burps. That little thing that sticks out of the desert ground... Zaps a bug with its tongue, burps. Now you're talking about Salacious Crumb. For yeah. a salacious Crumb he doesn't burp. He would have used the name. I trust Elliot. Come on. on. Thank you. This was, the, uh, we were doing, it worked today, we were doing Jack Nicholson impressions Max of. Rebo, size Noodles, they're all there. <laughs> they're all there. The Rancor, probably. A man, a man, Yak Man. <laughs> the, uh, they're all, uh, I wish I could remember the name of the Rancor Keeper, but I forgot his name. They, they, Admiral we, Akbar, probably. <laughs> we were, I don't fucking care. We were doing, we were doing uh, Jack Nicholson in other roles guard. today so it was like uh jack nicholson and other things and i uh Chief chirpa and my my contribution to that was jack nicholson as bib fortuna just <laughs> no jabba wanga you know that kind of thing so sure. hey um. man no ja- <laughs> jabba no bada yeah. <laughs> uh, and again my favorite thing return of the jedi they create huddies as a language and the huddies a phrase for Jedi mind trick is Jedi mind trick. <laughs> Huddies does not have a word for a mind or for trick. Look, the great the great mobster race of the universe has no word for trick. I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> that makes sense to me. It's like it's like in France where they're like the blue jeans, you know. But blue jeans are an invention that was brought to them. It's not it's not a common everyday well, thing you like know, tricking. Like Jedi's stuff. are not common in the no. Hut it's not Jedi culture. that I have such an issue with. It's, it's mind, mind trick. Oh, I see. So they've maybe, never. Maybe referred they, to their minds or tricking. Maybe they they say mind trick because they they give no credence to it. They think it's bullshit. They're trying to like lessen it in the mm-hmm. eyes of their race. Oh, maybe. Anyway, this is off topic, but <laughs> really? I'm just saying, a hitman hitman are just we so. We didn't watch Return of the Jedi tonight. <laughs> Here's my problem: the Ewoks are so technologically primitive. My How favorite. could they? The Zulu Wars show us that. What I don't understand Clearly is the how... the Ewoks are the Vietnamese. There's that one moment in that movie where the one Ewok... It's a, it was a war of attrition that took a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that was the problem with the Imperial Army. It's that one moment where the one Ewok looks to the other guy when uh, C-3PO says some bullshit. And the one Ewok looks to his friend and goes, That guy's wise. And you're like, holy shit, he just spoke English for a second. What's I don't, going on I don't there? remember that part. You need to watch it again, I promise. I usually stop watching Return of the Jedi after they get away from Java's palace. Yeah, that's the best part. It's like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where the, the opening sequence is the best sequence in the film. Yeah, except I still like the, a lot of that movie, even though people don't. Yeah. No, I like it. I actually like it better than The Last Crusade. Last Crusade gets a little too goofy for I me. agree. Okay, so Hitman. Hitman. Most most Hitman movies feature like a well, guy with a barcode on his neck or something. Just right? the one, just oh, okay. the one. But like Hitman movies also have like a gimmick. Like it's it's one of those. They almost always get like a hot girlfriend too, right? Mm-hmm. A hot girlfriend, and they're amazing at everything. Like if I saw a movie that was a Hitman movie where, and I'm sure these exist, they're just nothing that come to mind. That is a very like a realistic movie about this is a shitty job, and you do it, and you kill people for money, but like you don't perform amazing kung fu all the time. And also, we're like, 
sneak into people's rooms and then shoot them through mirrors, you know, and things like that. Yeah, like, these are guys who could probably find a significantly more fulfilling career somewhere else. Yes, but it's it's this kind of like this this kind of uh, fantasy glorification of hitmen that just confuse. It's not like I'm like this is a sign of the dec- decay of society that we're glorifying these men, but it just is boggles my mind that this is the like rather than astronauts, for instance. Well, and it's the same thing with like serial killer movies in in Hollywood. It's all like these weird these serial killers, killers are all fucking geniuses. They're yeah, like geniuses Mensa members, and, and serial killers. They're like and the, super monsters, and they have and they have like moral superiority. They're like, I do this to show you what's wrong with your <laughs> life. And it's you like, wouldn't you know understand what? the things I've shown you. And, and like the vast majority of them are just repressed masturbators or something. Well, in real life, yeah. But in in these movies, they're like uh, they're able to show you the dark side of our culture or something. Even then, like at least there's I mean there's the old trope uh, that is in like Revolutionary Road of like the insane person sees the truth through sees through the illusions of society, and it's a bit much for that person to be a serial killer. But even then, that makes more sense to me than like let's make a hitman movie, dudes. Like here, well, our hero will be a guy who kills people for money. You know. And, yeah. Well, I've just been really waiting to write this awesome novella about the greatest hitman ever to live. <laughs> What's his name? Jack John Killington. D- wait, John Doe. Okay. John Doe, and he kills serial killers. That's the oh. okay. But that's for Dexter. But oh, only, okay, but he does, <laughs> for he does it for bounty. Yeah. And he, he only kills life. these serial killers in the the eye of a hurricane. <laughs> yep. And he only uses he only uses a crossbow. <laughs> and he has one webbed hand. He has he has one gimpy hand. Yeah. And only other serial killers who don't appreciate their life of serial killing enough. And on the moment, and of, his eyes are two different colors. And on the moment of shooting a serial killer, he has an almost orgasmic release where he lives the life of one of our presidents. <laughs> Just in a which, flash. Which, yeah, in the which flash. one? You'll have to watch the film. It depends. Well, it changes. Or, or oh, wait, I just well, that's the it. other thing I mentioned before. Like you see, like it's because they want to give the character a distinctive look, but they make them so crazy looking. Like, as to stick out anywhere. And it's like, if you want to hire someone to kill somebody, like, you pick a guy to blend into crowds. At least Nicolas Cage, with just the addition of a hat and a camera, could make himself into a member of the press to escape the police. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But you have, like, in the movie Hitman, he's got a barcode on the back of his neck. He's, he's bald. shaved bald. He's Timothy Oliphant, who's, he's under Timothy normal Oliphant. circumstances, is a kind of distinctive-looking well, dude. Look, they put the Everyone would be like, aren't you the guy from Deadwood that we don't like, even though he's the center of the show? Aren't you that great guy from uh, The Girl Next Door who's really weird? <laughs> they put the barcode on the back of a hitman's neck because they just want to speed up the whole process. If you want to kill someone, <laughs> you, you pull out the scanner, you're like, all right, you're activated, scan it over. It's like, okay, well, $1,000, great, that's what I'll pay you. So you're saying that that the guys who hire hitmen have scanners to see what the price yeah, is. Sure. Yep. So if his his price goes up, he's got to get a new tattoo of a barcode. Yeah. Well, that's why his that's why he has to charge so much because he has to get laser <laughs> tattoo removal. Wouldn't they, wouldn't they get, get tattoo? Yeah. Every wouldn't time he, he wouldn't they put rates? the tattoo in a harder like a less obvious place? I mean, it's on the yeah, back of his but, neck for God's like, sake. But for a movie, they have to have that image on the poster of the back of his head. So and they just forget about it. Wasn't that movie based on a video game? Oh, it might have been. You might be thinking of Max Payne. Maybe uh, Hitman was also. I think it was too. Yeah. Well, let's uh, cut this short because we've talked. You a might while. be thinking of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. With John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that was really great. And Dennis Hopper. And uh, of course, his, Academy his, Award winner his Dennis Hopper. His descriptions of making that movie are so funny. He's. Uh, I think the Onion asked him about it. And he was like, "I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on." My son was like, "Why don't you look like the guy in the game?" And he was like, <laughs> "And I was like, that's what he looks like." <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Hopper's hilarious. 
Anyway, let's move on to our final judgments about Bangkok. Final judgments. Nice. So the categories are, for people who haven't listened before, if you exist... The categories <laughs> If there's are... anyone on God's earth that hasn't heard the Flophouse before, <laughs> let's explain it on the very off chance that such a thing exists. Maybe there's an alien picking up this pa- transmission. Pause this podcast and download our original, uh, how many have we done? Like this is like the 10? 28th or 29th? 10? 28? Yes, 10. We've Listen done... to all those first. <laughs> we, you could do a month of pods, listener at home. Uh, anyway. That's good shit. Is this a movie that you would not recommend to anyone? A movie that you would recommend as a good, bad movie? Or a movie that you liked in some way. So, Stuart, what would you say about this movie? You know, this is a movie that I liked a lot. Wait, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I had to go in there for a second. No, this oh, irony. Good. I know. I'm just joking. This movie's not very good. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I might yeah. recommend it to Nicolas Cage. I think he should watch it again and think about his life. But it would be like think a Ludovico procedure. You just got to prop his eyes open. And... Yeah, no, yeah, this absolutely. movie is like a one-film intervention. Like, Nick, what are you doing? Here, check like, it out. What's going on, dude? This is the last movie we you thought made. Destiny Nick... just turned on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even in that, is he? No. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah, that, no. was the, that was the movie that I just remember them hyping the fact that Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. was in it because it was right As after Pulp actor. Fiction, right? Mm-hmm. And Quentin Tarantino... You loved him in Reservoir Dogs. If you saw now it. he's in a non-Quentin Tarantino movie. You loved the movie you saw that he shot and wrote. And oh, he's, yeah, he has that one small part in it. But this one he's just acting in. Nancy Travis and Quentin Tarantino in. He plays the guy who just turns on the radio. <laughs> um, this movie, yeah, I would not recommend it to anyone. However, as a movie that we all watched talking through a lot of it, it was a very easy movie to talk through. I would recommend it on the level of you do not have to pay any attention to this movie <laughs> to comprehend what's going on. If you want to watch a movie but don't want to watch a movie, mm-hmm. then this is the movie to if not watch. If you want visual wallpaper, then this might be the film <laughs> You're tired for you. of the Yule Log at your, a video sure. at your parties. Then Yeah. Once Christmas is over, you're like, hmm, I would like to have something on my television that I don't need to pay attention to. I don't know what I could watch that's non-holiday related. Sure, I want to waste energy. Sure. But how can I do it we in such a way that I don't want to don't pay attention? Bangkok Dangerous. Um, I or would, if, you know, I think if you're babysitting and you want to keep your kids busy for you know an hour and a half, this will or not so. keep kids busy. This would keep maybe like like a vegetable busy, like someone with no. <laughs> if you are babysitting a child who is a vegetable, if you were babysitting you keep... Terry Shivo and you wanted to shut her up for a second, right? This would be the movie to show. Okay, if you get off on really greasy hair, <laughs> then you can watch sure. this. If you are watching every single movie Nicolas Cage ever made, <laughs> then you would have to watch for this. a for a bet or a dare <laughs> of some kind, or just re- that would take a really long time. Right? If you were if you were doing it as penance for a sin you've committed, <laughs> this is the one to watch. <laughs> well, it's one of the many that you would have to watch. Well, uh, and I just want to go on the record as saying also I hate this movie and don't recommend it. It's ra- it's rare that I oh well, hate's a strong word. It was just not worth talking about really. Uh, it's rare that I use the phrase shit on a shingle, but. You know, if I had to pick it's rare if I had to pick a piece of architectural supplies and a piece of feces to compare this to, <laughs> it would be shit on a shingle. This only one, one this year. Everybody, uh, I think that was the product of peer pressure. Just though. for like, the record, Dan really didn't like it, and then he kind of made both of us not like it. Yeah, because I loved it before Dan. Yeah, actually. you were talking about how uh, the mise en scene <laughs> and like the color choice it was so colorful. Just, just for the record, also in case anyone gets a bad idea. 
shit is not a good preservative for shingles. <laughs> and if you place it on a shingle, it will blow away or get rained off. It's also not a good hors d'oeuvre to put shit yes, on people don't. Li- all, all you're going to end up getting is a dirty shingle <laughs> and some wasted shit. So. Possibly hepatitis C. Um, hepatitis so C. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's Ever G. Robinson, MD. <laughs> if you're if you're keeping score at home, that's the strangest joke ever to be made on the Flophouse. So anyway, let's move on. Before we get into our recommendations, uh, I have a few letters from listeners. Number one, everyone should go to the FlophousePodcast.blogspot.com. That's the website. That's the, that's our website. What? Because uh, <laughs> Flophouse superfan Ksenia, Ksenia. has uh, done some Netflix uh, lists. What's that? She has put together a list of, number one, all of the movies that we've discussed on the Flophouse, in case you want to play along at home. Which you do. And no, what's Netflix? It's a service whereby, if you pay money, you can rent uh, DVDs via the mail. Oh, over the net. That's really clever. Okay, keep sure. going. Sure. Dates back to Galileo's day. <laughs> and there are also links to lists of all the films that we've recommended. And she says, uh, I know that almost every time I listen to a new episode, you guys mention a movie I've yet to see slash have never heard of. I'm sure other listeners feel the same and will appreciate the ability to scroll through the lists of your old recommendations without having to skim your old episodes with pen and paper at hand. And so that is an awesome service that she has provided. That is fantastic. Uh, of free her. of charge, Stuart. Yeah, I was actually glancing at that list, and uh, there's even movies that I recommended as a joker on there. So that's awesome. <laughs> she was very thorough. Yeah, you'll notice and, that uh, the movies get much classier once I got on board. Sure, that's true. Classier or more boring? And a little bit of both. Who's going to make the call? <laughs> there's also a link to uh, her personal website on the uh, site. So if you want to check that out, it's a good. It, she has a lot of neat stuff on there. Also, uh, I have a line. Uh, I have a. I have a line. I've got an email. <laughs> I, have, here. I have a line Someone's in a television <laughs> show. It's an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> you play the guy who discovers the corpse. So your SVU? line is, "Yeah, guys, I'll meet you at the." Huh? <laughs> I have a line in the show. What's my line? Which hasn't been on the air for I don't know fifty years. Yeah, somewhat forty, some odd at least. Um, an email here. Uh, from Eddie, last name withheld. Okay. What um, ethnicity is that? Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. <laughs> well, you're like a just... nerd in elementary school. I was going to say, this is... a teacher mom. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Dan, it's Eddie from You, Your World, and You, which is a sketch show that I uh, did with That was a very gentleman. funny sketch show. Um, I've been listening to the back episodes and have recently caught up. I wish I'd started listening sooner. Anyway, again, my Serves roommate... You're right. Just told me about this movie called The Room that's apparently a cult hit for shittiness. Mm, yeah, seen it. I have seen We watched it at work once. <laughs> well, well, I'll finish um, the letter and then I'll tell you about it. He says, uh, maybe you guys have already heard of it, but I just want to make sure you knew it existed. Is Tommy Wiseau the Ed Wood of our era? Is this the ultimate good-bad movie? And I was going to open the question to you guys. Is this movie too little known to be on the flop house is is this kicking a dog that has already been kicked several times before, or is it worth checking out? This is a movie. Having seen it, it it it, is, it doesn't quite fall in our purview because we tend to avoid movies that are not bigger releases mm-hmm. or fairly fairly big releases. 
it is, however, a movie that I recommend we watch privately, if not for the Flophouse, because it is hilarious. Okay. It is incredibly poorly made. I do want to watch this movie. I You can't get it on Netflix. However, you can get it very cheaply via Amazon, and yeah. I was thinking about purchasing it. The, the oh, only, that sounds like a, like a nice Saturday night. The only problem with it is it's now – it started – it. Be, it would start becoming like it's. There, I still think there's this theater in LA that still shows it uh-huh. at like midnights. And the guy who made it was like, uh, "Yeah, well, it was always supposed to be a comedy. Like it was, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. funny. I meant it that way the whole time." And he he pretty obviously did not. But it's kind of gotten sullied by that. Yeah, I have read about this movie. I mean, it, it it's a it is an awful movie. It's a cause that has been taken up by many famous comedians as being a great. Bad movie to watch. It is hilariously I'm curious bad. to see it. Uh, I watch whatever you guys make me watch, so that's cool. <laughs> we could do it for this one, but it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it would be harder, almost a little harder to talk about afterwards because it's, there's nothing for the person at home to visualize. Mm. Like, they, you, she wouldn't, they, she, there's a lot of our listeners are ladies. Sure. Uh, they well, wouldn't, a lot of Stewart's uh, <laughs> fans are ladies. They wouldn't, they like, there's no one Sad famous in true. it. You know, the scenes are all about, are all characters talking it's in really rooms. It's really phantasmagorical. It's mm-hmm. very not phantasmagorical, mm-hmm. my friend. It's, it's like the Adventures of Tom Thumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Adventures of Tom Thumb mixed with the Yellow Submarine. Oh, yeah. oh my God. It's like that... Uh, with a little dash of Return to Oz. <laughs> it's like that Stan Winston, Tom Sawyer film. I don't uh, even know that one. It's a Mark Twain, the Adventures of Mark Twain. Uh, yeah, so we're going to watch this movie then. Okay. We could. Okay, we'll make some plans. Let's do it for kicks sometime. Yeah, I, and I recommend to the listeners at home, watch it yourselves. Maybe we'll do a movie minute about it. This this sure. is one that, it's one of those movies that's really low, like low budget and amateurishly made to the point that to dis, to discuss it is almost pointless, but to watch it is very funny. So. Okay. It's like Twin Sitters. I was just going to say, it's like Twin Sitters in that way. And so lastly. The Barbarian Brothers, unfortunately, are not in the room. Oh, that's too bad. In response to um, the email I read last time, uh, my sister-in-law, Marina, last name withheld. Thanks, by the way, for reading that letter on the air. It was fun to listen to your podcast with uh, John, my brother. That's uh, my brother, not not Marina, my sister-in-law's brother. Okay. There's, no, there's no weird incestuous. When, uh, when did he do the podcast? No, no, you, you misunderstand entirely. Listen to the um, podcast with John, my brother. But John, my brother, w- you have a brother named John? Sure. No, I, my, my my sister-in-law's brother that he's, she's married to is named John. Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. I don't have a brother. Who's on first? Yeah, he is. He's a good player. You know, baseball players <laughs> have crazy names. He's one of the best days. offensive first baseball players in the league. The baseball league. Anyway, my sister-in-law points out that uh, my brother would never have made the mistake about Karloff. As he pointed out, though, uh, my sister-in-law was thinking of Horton Hears a Who, ah. which was often paired with the Grinch, and that was... Um, Who's he? What's this? Hans Conrad? Or Hans no. Conrad. Or, uh, it was Hans Conrad. Hans Conrad, yeah. But also... Not Paul Henreid? No, not Paul Henreid. Or Conrad Veidt? Neither of each. Okay. But um, in response to our question to tweens about High School Musical, <laughs> uh, they asked James, my uh, nephew... Sure. ...who was in the demographic... Son of John. Yeah. James Johnson. Uh, why do people like High School Musical? And he said, quote... I don't know. I don't like it. I think it is because, pause, I don't know, it's bad. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> realistic reply. If you're wondering about High School Musical, if you're puzzling it out, that's uh, from someone who is in the age bracket uh, targeted. Finally, I'm able to see it. 
unfettered, yeah. my gaze unsullied my by God, it's my full own of stars. preconceptions. Yeah, that was great. Uh, don't we talk now about? Um, <laughs> don't we talk now about movies we do like? Yeah, recommendation time. Yeah, Let's at this do that. Point okay, Elliot, podcast. go. Go, Elliot, go. Oh. Oh, wait, wait, what are we doing right now, Dan? Clarify. No, I'm saying at this point in the podcast, we prove that we're not miserable jerks we who do hate like everything. Things. No, I love movies. some things that we like. Okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, do the, it to it. Yeah, the other day I watched this great movie with uh, my buddy Alexander Delicious, mm-hmm. and we watched uh, a little Clint Eastwood picture called The Beguiled. Oh, I watched that recently, Nin- too. 1971. It was great. It is a great movie. Uh, there's some really awesome bits in it, and it's really, um, it's basically about this uh, this northern Civil War soldier who ends up in this southern uh, girls' school and, like, slowly kind of, in a way, like, seduces them all, and they all end up putting, like, all their hopes and dreams on him. And then when they find out he's been lying to them, they get extra mad. Yeah, a very um, distressing movie. Yeah, it's but it, it's great because it's yeah it's 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 kind of creepy like a horror movie. Like it has everything that's good about Italian horror movies in it, and uh, none of the bad stuff. And it's that's really a very good way to put it. Yeah, it's really um, it's re- and there's just some really hilarious bits. So it's good. Totally recommend it. I would recommend um, a movie that's in theaters. I would recommend that people go out and see My Bloody Valentine in 3D. I would not recommend that you see it in just regular digital. 2D. Yeah, 2D. Production. Yeah, 2D. But well, Two technically, dimensions. you're seeing it. In Fuck f- that. You're seeing it in 4D. Am I? The dimension of time. That's true. <laughs> That's true, Elliot. C- continue. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole this guy is. This Elliot. Um, what a dick. I'm glad he said that. Like it's not a great movie. <laughs> it's in fact your average. Slasher film, but done with with a modicum of like talent. It's done with good pacing, like a good sense of fun. But there's something about seeing a horror movie in 3D that really gets at like the sort of the carnival element of seeing a horror film. That sort of amusement, uh, thrills, that novelty feeling. It feels trashier. It feels. Uh, you said there's like there's 3D boobs that just pop out of the screen. That's right? true. I didn't say it in those words. However, there is a five minute sequence in which a woman runs around entirely nude. Yeah, it's it's just fun. That sounds fun. <laughs> I, I I would say. I assume uh, she's running through a sprinkler. <laughs> yep. Sure. Through a butter factory. <laughs> <laughs> she slips and falls on another nude girl. Yeah. There's a lot of wrestling or something. Who there knows? are a lot of spring sound effects. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, because this is a Hanna Barbera scored <laughs> porn film. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily like porn at this point. It's like <laughs> That's true. That sounds great. Good job. I like that recommendation. Yeah. Smell it. What okay. Do you got for us? <laughs> Real quick, um, I saw a movie called uh, Mock Up on Moo. That was a very arty experimental science fiction film, kind of sewn together from tattered pieces of other science fiction films, which was uh, a lot of fun. But you're not probably might have trouble finding it. So if you can find it, it's called Mock Up on Moo. It's worth seeing. You'll feel like it's it's pointless in the beginning, and then you'll, you might get into it. But that, <laughs> an earlier, an, an, uh, an easier film to find that I saw recently that I'd never seen before was Silver Streak with uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. No, you have seen Silver Streak. No, before? which is not the funniest movie, but frankly, like Gene Wilder's a pretty good action adventure star. 
in that film. Like, he never seems... It's supposed to be like, he's a goofy guy caught up in this thing, but he doesn't come off as goofy. He comes off as pretty competent. And at the end, like, the cops are having a shootout with the bad guy, the late, uh, dearly departed and missed Patrick McGowan. They just hand Gene Wilder a gun, not... And there's no, like, well, well, what am I gonna do with this thing? Like, he just takes it and they hand him his bullets and he starts loading it. And it's this great, like, yeah, you know, I guess he'll he'll just take part in the shootout, too. You know what? That's the way I've always felt about Silver Streak, too. I'm like, as a comedy, eh, all right. There's some laughs in it, but as like a uh, sort of Hitchcock pastiche, it's very good. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. And there's also like Richard Pryor's very good in it. And there's a shot where, and there's also a lot of like atmosphere in it. Uh, considering it was shot in Canada, not in the United States, it feels <laughs> it feels like American when they're driving around or taking the train or whatever. But there's a part where he and Richard Pryor are just like driving, and there's just a shot of the road with them driving in this kind of like almost haunting music as they drive past these kind of pastoral landscapes. And it's this nice little like um, Badlands moment in this otherwise like odd couple adventure film, you know. So I liked it a lot actually. And also like Richard Keel gets shot with a fucking spear gun. Spoiler alert. So Hey. See it happen. Richard Keel. He just keeled over. It's a it's got a great it's got a great cast. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, Patrick McGowan, Richard Keel, Ray Walston uh ned Beatty. there's a lot of great people in it <laughs> you know our fr- Stuart, our friend liz has a signed photo of richard keel i didn't know that yeah that's pretty awesome i need to i need to meet this friend liz heir to the <laughs> keel's fortune yeah the keel's cosmetic fortune he is the patent on the word keel hall <laughs> which is but, paid off anyway years. but mock up on move if you get the chance to see it i would say go for it but silver streak is available in video stores everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> don't take my word for it check out Silver Streak at your local is it, library is it, is it available on, uh, is it available on Blu-ray yet? Uh, I think it will never take be available on Blu-ray it's in your video store <laughs> Silver Streak <laughs> you, anyway. uh, you didn't hit the high note of the end I was kind of disappointed <laughs> thanks uh, yeah so this has, been, this has been a good one yeah it has Oh man, so many laughs. We talked about Return of the Jedi. We talked about Hitman. Uh, now, now Dan can't edit out either of those things in the final one. <laughs> Don't you wish you could live in the flop house with us? Yeah. Seriously, it's... if I could drop my almost my entire life and me and my girlfriend go live in the flop house, this mm-hmm. mythical construct, I would do that instantly. Yeah. If it was like that Stephen King short story where the guy is in that house and people just give him, they put slip the money under the door for his yeah, absolutely living expenses. everything's eventual, sure. Yeah. I don't remember what else happens in that story. It's weird. We'll talk about it later. Okay. For now, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And eternally, I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I gotta pee. (laughs) I've been holding for like ever. The The Flop House is recorded before a live studio. How are my my levels? You look great. I'm looking good. Especially in that mustache. Yeah, this is... That um, mustache. Uh, I'm pretty drunk, guys. I don't know if I'll be very funny. I thought that was like your fucking spinach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's do this thing. Oh, that's... Hey, just like Tangle and Cash. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this thing.